0: Hello and welcome to the first episode of 40tall. I am here today with a friend of mine, uh, Cameron Mitchard. Say hello. Hello. Um, today we're going to be talking about the uh, the Champions League battle heating up. Of course, with there only being a few points between second and ninth, it's looking close. It's looking close. And then we'll move on to the Champions League and Europa League fixtures and results of the week and looking into next week. So without further ado, let's get started. The table at the moment is looking close with United and Leicester, of course, forty six on forty six points each on second and third place. West Ham are in fifth place with Chelsea taking the fourth Champions League spot. Liverpool on in sixth place having a dip in form at the moment. Uh, what do you think that's done to Cam?
1: Well, I think there's a number of circumstances affecting Liverpool at the minute. Obviously, they're still plagued by injuries at the back, but the two new signings should help them there. And I think Jurgen Klopp's under a lot of pressure at the minute. So,
0: yeah. It is looking it's looking bleak for them at the moment. I think they've given up on the Premier League. It's just a case of trying to secure a top-four spot for next season. And of course, Aston Villa looking like Aston Villa looking very good at the moment with two games in hand. If they win both those games, they will go above Liverpool into fifth spot. And they could take fourth spot off Chelsea if they win their game. They will go into forty-four points ahead of Chelsea's forty-three. Of course, Chelsea dropping points today. Um West Ham could take fourth spot off Chelsea as well. And what do you think, Cam, about Champions League spots, who's looking most likely to get into that top four? I
1: think the current top three are pretty much nailed on for Champions Mm. League spots this year. And I think that West Ham could be a dark horse for that fourth place spot. I can't see Villa's form staying. You know, they've been quite inconsistent the last few weeks, but West Ham have looked solid with a nice run of fixtures coming up. So I think they seem like my dark horse for the fourth spot.
0: Mm. I'm being a city fan. I am worried about next week um, with Manchester City taking on West Ham in the twelve thirty kickoff. Um, moving on to the uh, second dark horse, if you will, um, Spurs. What do you think about them with them being in ninth place?
1: Well, I think I think they're too far. I think the damage has been done. They've had a couple of really poor results against Brighton. I think Sheffield United, maybe. I'm not sure. But I think they're too far away for a top, to, top, sport, top four spot now. I think the best they can hope for is Europa League place.
0: I think that is a fair judgment of them. And, uh, of course, Everton we win uh, two games behind, 37 points. The Merseyside derby takes place at 5.30 tonight. Um, they could go. They could go draw level with points with Liverpool. Of course, one game behind them, three points ahead. They will go if they win their game in hand. Um. So we'll move on to top eight predictions for the uh, rest of the season. For the end of the season, of course. Um. Okay. Do you want to go first, Carl?
1: Yeah. So I think. As much as I'd love to see West Ham in the top four, I think the top four will be Manchester City, Manchester United, Leicester, and Chelsea. And then I could see a lot of movement, so I won't won't put them in order, but I think the sort of fifth to eighth places will be occupied by Liverpool, Tottenham, Everton, and West Ham. So no Arsenal in the top eight for me is probably the major shock there. That
0: is a strong call, but I do have to agree with you on that one. I think I don't think they've been consistent enough to get a top to get a place in that top eight. I think with the run of form that they've been on, they the the game against Leeds was their first win in five games, I think. Which for an Arsenal side where in the past they've been dominant in English football I really don't think that's good enough, especially with them winning the FA Cup last year, looking quite strong. I don't think that's good enough to um, from, especially with Arteta though. And I know what I don't agree with is the way that the Arsenal fans have gone about it with people getting people sending him death threats and stuff like that, and threatening to hurt his family. I think that it's a bit too far, and it's yeah, just absolutely. it's stuff like that in football that gives who that gives football a bad name to the rest of the sporting yeah. world
1: there's just no place in football for stuff like that you know if you've got a problem with the way your team's playing they're not you know they're not against criticism but you know threats and discrimination are just not the way
0: i do i do have to agree with that i think i, I think that is poor behaviour especially coming from arsenal fans who aren't normally as bad as that um. Well, with my top eight prediction, I could see, I think I'm going to have to go with Manchester City winning the league. I think that's, with the way that the league's being dictated now, I think with City and the amazing run of form they've been on. I think United have got that second place secured as well. I think United and Leicester, 100% Champions League places. Uh, with the way that Leicester have been playing in recent times as well, especially being as dominant as they were against Liverpool, Of course coming away with a good three one win there, I think that will I think that's giving them a massive boost and the way that they're playing now, I can't see them dropping many points towards the end of the season. I think I'm gonna have to agree with you as well, Chelsea fourth, because West Ham have whilst they've been looking strong, I don't think they're cut out for Champions League football. And whether they get a place or not will is still yet they could still yet get a place with the consistency they've been building up especially with players like Suchek and Antonio playing so well recently. I think they might, they could do it, but I think I'm going to have to go Chelsea because they've been quietly racking up a good run of form at the moment. Unbeaten in
1: five or six, I think. Well, they still haven't lost under Thomas Tugel yet.
0: Exactly. So that could be... I think they're quietly going on a getting on a good run of form, getting back on track for that fourth spot. I'm gonna to have to put West Ham as Europa League because I do think I think whilst they're not, I think they could make a good impact in the Europa League as well. They could progress quite far in that competition with them being technically and with the with some of the skill that their players have got. I think I could see them going quite far in that competition, even going as far as the final. No, and six, I'm bit. gonna have to go Liverpool because I can't see them. I can't see them doing much after this. To be quite honest, with Vir with uh, Virgil out for the rest of the season now, they yeah. have been struggling without Jota as well. At um, attacking, of course, their goal against. Um, who was it that they played before City? Their, uh, their goals against Spurs were the it was three one to them against Spurs and their goals in that game were the first they'd scored in five, with Salah and Mane starting all five of those games as well.
1: Well, they've looked a bit shy in front of goal in recent weeks, Liverpool. I think they've they've found a couple of good spots of form here and there. The result against Tottenham was obviously brilliant, but then, you know, when they played against City, they just got taken to pieces. I think a couple of bad results against the likes of Brighton as well recently. They're not looking like top four material at the moment for me, especially when there's teams like West Ham and Aston Villa really you know, putting in a decent effort. I don't think Liverpool have got it in them this season.
0: I'm going to have to agree with you there. And Everton and Villa may cut the seventh and eighth spots. I think Everton have been going on a good run of form, but the way that they played against... They did put up a good performance against Manchester City. Of course, with City being so strong defensively, managing to score that goal was the fourth goal conceded in 16 games for Manchester City, and, and missing even score against well. yeah, missing their number, missing their first start, first team number ten is good going. They, of course, they did end up losing, but I think they put in a good shift, and I think I could see them. Retaining that mid mid table, just above mid
1: table position. I'm inclined to agree with you there. I think Everton have definitely got a minute get got it in them to push for Europa League place. I can't see them getting it, but we'll see. So looking back
0: at the week that we've had in Europe, of course, Premier League sides. All except Arsenal and Leicester coming out on top. Leicester drawing nil nil at home to Slavia Prague. Was that a shock
1: for you, Cam? Um, I don't, I not think so. No, I think they've they've shown some consistency this season, Leicester, which I think they deserve a lot of credit for because you know in the past, obviously they had their title win in twenty sixteen, and then the following season, one of the worst title defenses in history. So I think it's good to see them, you know, performing well in the cup and in the league and progress into the knockout stages in Europe. But I can't see them going much further than maybe round of 16 quarterfinals. I think if they get a bit, get a, <laughs> drawn against a better opposition, I don't think they've got much chance of going through.
0: I think that's a fair statement. Um, Leicester, of course, looking to, to looking to secure that top four spot in the Premier League and I think they will happily sacrifice the Europa League for that third spot in the Premier League table. Of course, Arsenal-Benfica, not looking... Arsenal on not on a great run of form at the moment. Not a surprise to draw there, really. Spurs, of course, um, looking... Relatively stronger in more, more recent games. They have been. They have had some bad results, but I think they can maintain a mid-table position. Uh, whether they'll get into that top eight is yet to be seen. But I can't really see them doing anything. I could see them making an impact in the Europa League, of course. Uh, good good performance against Wolfsburg. Four-one um, win, solid win for them. And next week. Chelsea take on Atletico. I'm not sure whether that is Tuesday or Wednesday, but I know Manchester City take on Borussia Mönchengladbach on Wednesday. Um, Of course, Liverpool having a solid win against Leipzig. Now, there is a point I want to bring up here where Liverpool have been praised by all the press, and I don't think that is right. Considering how much United was slated for losing to Leipzig, they were, and I know it did knock them out of the Champions League. But Leipzig are a strong side, but the way that they've reacted to that, I don't think that's fair on United. Get where they got absolutely slated, horrible, horrible performances. And then Liverpool are praised by no end for beating Leipzig. What do you think, Carl? Well,
1: I think as a Manchester United fan myself, our two performances against Leipzig, we absolutely deserve to win the one we won 5-0. And we by no means deserve to win the game we lost 3-2. But it could have just as easily gone the other way. You know, we had a stoppage on the line in the 90th minute to make it 3-3 and we would have progressed but I think when I saw the groups drawn at the start of the season if you told me United were going to get out of that group I'd have ripped your hand off you know I, I had a very strong feeling in the back of my mind that we were going to be playing Europa League football second half of the season so I think Liverpool do deserve some credit for beating Leipzig especially you know on a bad patch of form that they're in at the minute but like you say you know, I feel like sometimes the standards are different for teams, You know, given that they're supposed to be champions of England and champions of Europe less than two years ago. I feel like the standards have to be a little bit higher than they are for them at the minute.
0: I totally agree with that. They have been in a bad run. They have been in a bad run of form this year, and of course it is that controversial Jordan Pickford tackle on Virgil van Dijk earlier on in the season. And the problem I've got with stuff like that with VAR is Liverpool fans claiming it was a f- false VAR. It should have been a red for Pickford or a yellow, should have been a penalty. But the fact of the matter is he was offside. And I think that's what Liverpool fans fail to remember, whether they think that VAR just didn't see it as a foul or... Um, I don't really know what they see. It was a clear clear offside, no, no doubt
1: about it. Yeah, I think there's definitely some discrepancies to that rule, but I think it maybe needs addressing the fact that, you know, violent conduct can occur after an offside with no repercussions because, in my eyes, that was a definite red card for violent conduct, that tackle. You know, he was out of control, it was excessive force, and I think, under normal circumstances, that should have been a red card.
0: I do have to agree with you there. Um, It was whether they whether it was offside or not i know i'm going back on what i said a couple of minutes ago but whether it was offside or not i think it was a red card but the reason they didn't give that red card was because he was in an offside position but i do agree with you yeah. because whether it was offside or not i don't think is a relevant factor in something like that where he's yeah, gone in, in... gone sorry he's yeah he's gone in uh He's gone in way too high. He's just fully gone for him and completely wiped him out and took him out for the rest of the season with yeah. absolutely no repercussions.
1: As a, as a neutral watching that game, I think in terms of how the rules should be handled, they were applied well and properly. But that's why I think that rule should maybe be addressed about decisions occurring after a potential offside especially at the minute you know when officials are specifically told not to flag unless they're certain so the game is often running after a definite offside so it's just it's a little frustrating because you know if you score after the official has allowed play to run when he knows it's offside it will be disallowed so if you commit a foul that would be a red card after the officials allowed the game to run I feel like it should be a foul.
0: Yeah, I think that's, I think I agree with you there. And VAR, of course, very controversial this season. Um, a lot of big calls that would have changed the outcomes of games. Um, bringing back to that United, um, Bednarek red card, very controversial. Martial, of course, telling the official. That it wasn't a foul. Yeah. And then United getting the penalty following that. And I the way that United played in that game, I couldn't have seen Southampton winning it at all. Yeah. But it wouldn't have been as extreme as nine nil.
1: No, I but think I, I yeah, do it's...
0: think. Sorry, go on.
1: I think at 6-0 in that game, I wasn't too fussed, you know, and there, obviously the red card was rescinded afterwards. That was definitely a mistake on like multiple fronts there to give that as a red card. I just think that, yeah, like you say, you know, it wouldn't have mattered too much about the result, but it is a shame to see it being mishandled like that. Uh,
0: yeah, I think... That is the problem with VAR at the moment. A lot of incorrect decisions. It's not being used in the way it was intended and brought into the game for. With a lot of decisions, of course, when they get the lines out to see if it was offside, where it would have been offside by a couple of millimetres. And a lot of them, they are getting wrong. And if it's that close, they should just let the original decision stand whether it was given offside or whether it was called, if it's taking longer than 30 seconds for me.
1: Because the first real... It takes away from the spectacle, doesn't
0: it? Yeah, it definitely does. When you've got VAR decisions taking up to five minutes, when the first real experience I had with VAR was when I went to see a Man City game in the Champions League. I think it was against Schalke, or Hoffenheim, um, and we City had a few goals. There was a three, two or three goals disallowed. We won four 0 anyway, or something like that. So it wasn't really, didn't really affect the game. But how long the decisions were taking? There was, I think, there was about ten minutes of added time at the end of the game because of how yeah. long those decisions were taking to make. And then they were VAR checking every City goal. Thoroughly, and then I think it's all it comes. It, it's always linked back to this UEFA harsher on English sides, though. With well a lot yeah. of decisions going against English sides, City a lot of the time are discriminated against. You see, Real Madrid and Barcelona constantly violating financial fair play, never brought up on it. With uh, Barcelona and Juventus selling players back and forth to make money and Real Madrid of course flogging their training ground to the Spanish government for absolutely nothing uh, for a lot of money and buying it back for absolutely nothing and you think you think that UEFA would let an English side get away with it no matter who it is even Liverpool with their huge UE- huge European presence they still wouldn't allow them to get away with it
1: well yeah i think I think as a Manchester City fan, you've got to be careful talking about financial fair play, though.
0: Yes, I, I think do. There's, the,
1: <laughs> there's, there's not many better examples of. I think you know teams, teams at the forefront of that discussion. I'd say uh Manchester City and Paris Saint Germain, and yes. you know, there's there is no doubt that there's, you know, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Juventus also involved in that discussion, and again, Manchester United, you know we've spent upwards of a billion pounds since Sir Alex Ferguson left, but I think the fact that city were charged and then the charges were dropped should be maybe considered in that discussion.
0: I think, I do think, I, I do have to admit, I think that from everything that was said, I think we violated financial fair play and Maybe there was a few brown envelopes going around. Maybe there wasn't. You don't really know what goes what goes on behind closed doors, but Chelsea and City are two of the only sides in the last couple of decades to ever get convicted of financial fair play allegations, and they were the only sides to get convicted. And you see see what you mean. All of these sides. You see all of these huge sides. You see all of these huge sides. Doing it in plain sight, of course, with the examples I gave with Barcelona and Juventus and Real Madrid and Chelsea and City the only sides to get brought up on it, and of course both English sides. And would they dare touch Real Madrid? Of course they wouldn't, because of the 13 Champions Leagues they've won. They have such a dominant they have such a dominant force in Europe that they wouldn't touch them with a ten foot pole.
1: Yeah, no, I think I agree um, with you there. To be honest, there's definitely, you know, they'd love to protect the reputation of bigger teams there, like you know, yeah, your, your definitely. Barcelonas and your Real Madrids, because I think they're they're the big money makers. You know, they bring in mm. millions of viewers, but hmm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think I think and City's was see, more interesting than Chelsea's see. on that front, though, in terms of like. Had you been convicted or whatever, you would have been banned from Europe for two years. Whereas Chelsea's was more like a transfer ban. I think that was it. More to do with like loan players, that wasn't it? I might be wrong.
0: Yeah, I think it was. And of course, the most one of the most shocking games of Champions League history was Chelsea versus Barcelona. Was it two thousand and nine?
1: Um, I'm not sure was that the year Chelsea
0: won? Um, um, no it was Barcelona Barcelona went on to win it on, on aggregate oh, and yeah. when Chelsea should have had about four penalties four nailed on penalties the referee gave absolutely nothing a lot of decisions went against Chelsea that night and of course Barcelona went on to win the Champions League campaign in that season and I do think that was unfair, and it's just an, it's just one of many examples of how English clubs are discriminated against in
1: Europe. Yeah, I think there's there's definitely a debate to be had around that. I'm not sure I'm not sure whether you could ever prove it, but I think it's there's definitely some things there where you, which make you think, you wonder, you know, is that actually what's happening there?
0: I, yes that is definitely uh, it's we'll save that for another episode though um <laughs> i think we can move on now to fantasy 5 uh five minutes of talking about fantasy football who will be good for the upcoming weekend who should be your captain and who should you be looking out for to put into your team okay So, of course, in game week 26, we have City taking on West Ham, West Brom versus Brighton, Leeds versus Aston Villa, Newcastle versus Wolves, Crystal Palace versus Fulham, Leicester versus Arsenal, Spurs versus Burnley, Chelsea versus Manchester United, Sheffield United versus Leicester, and Everton versus Southampton.
1: Yeah, I think players is... the main factor. Sorry.
0: Go on. Um players in form at the moment. I think we can say that Moh- Mohamed Salah is a safe bet to put into the team. Maybe a maybe yeah. a uh, maybe a candidate for your captain as well. With Definitely. Liverpool with Liverpool take with Liverpool taking on
1: who was it Sheffield United and Chelsea yeah Sheffield United of course
0: Sheffield United on the quarter past seven kickoff on Sunday night I think that will be a great candidate Uh, I think Salah could have a field day against 20th place Sheffield United depends whether they can get a foothold into the game which they've struggled to do as you said before they have looked shy in front of goal this season of course Salah really the only player progressing ahead in the scoring charts Of course, well, Spurs might be struggling at the moment. They are Kane and Son are still racking up goals. Son of course, uh, Kane nice course
1: fixtures for them this week.
0: Yeah, two very, two very good fixtures for them to get some points back and try and climb up that table. Of course, the London derby. at twelve o'clock on Sunday, in the twelve o'clock kickoff. West Ham face Spurs at London Park. And Spurs face Burnley in in the two o'clock kickoff on Sunday in game week 26 next weekend. Of course, Burnley um, struggling at the moment with being only nine clear of the drop, I think. When Burnley are normally... A good, a good, strong side cruising ahead in mid-table. They have struggled this season. Having one of the worst defensive records in the league. What do you think about them, Cal, at the moment?
1: Uh, well, I think we've had a couple of good results here and there. Um, I'm not, sh- not sure where I stand on Burnley assets in the fantasy football team. But that said, I do have both Pope and Ben me playing this week and as it stands we're five minutes away from a clean sheet so that gamble might have paid off but I think I think for the long haul Burnley have had a nice couple of fixtures the last four or five and haven't produced you know maximum points from that so I think come the end of the season and we get a tight if tight run of fixtures they could be in trouble and I think they'll they should be clear though I don't think they'll go down
0: I uh, for me, I think the bottom three is fixed now, with only thirteen games left to play. Um, I think it's Fulham in eighteenth place, West Brom in nineteenth, yeah. and Sheffield United in twentieth. And of course, Fulham being being the side at the top of the relegation, at the top of the relegation zone, they are seven points. They are seven points, uh, six or seven points behind uh so they would have yeah. to make up that in two or three games with only 13 left to play they would have to get they would have to get a good amount of points before the end of the season to secure their place in the premier league campaign next year
1: i think if any of them are going to survive the drop it's going to be fulham you know newcastle they pulled out a nice result against everton the other week but You know, going into a game against Manchester United this weekend, we took them to pieces last time, and I can't see them winning that. And Fulham, you know, had two or three really good results. You know, they've they found some form in the last sort of seven or eight weeks, I'd say, but they're sort of starting to turn form into actual results and points, which is the only way they're going to survive the drop. You know, yeah. Earlier on in the season, I might have told you Brighton could be contenders to go down, but you know, haven't lost in well, what won five of six games or something.
0: Yeah, they so, have been, I think they have they have found some form towards the end of the season now.
1: Yeah, I'd say I'd say the bottom four are currently your only contenders for relegation in my eyes. That is
0: a fair I think that is a fair judgment. And of course with the champions um in sixth place it is a very odd season. So it is a very odd season. No doubt about it. Of course, Liverpool having one of the worst title defenses since that title defense from Leicester, as you brought it up before. And of course, I, yeah. I do think it's down to an injury problem, really, because you've seen their quality with Van Dijk, and it's not just the defensive; it's not just the defensive aspect of his play they're missing this season. It's also the t- attacking aspect of he can just pierce defenses with through balls finding Salah and Mane up in those two striker positions, of course Firmino playing false nine behind them, which you is the way that they play. Um, but yeah, I think it's the same it's it's a similar way that Gundawan and Jao Cancelo play with Cancelo drop with Cancelo making those runs into the centre of the into the centre of the field and for trying to find Gundogan, who in Aguero and Jesus' absence has been playing in that false nine position. Whereas in previous seasons, he's been more of a central midfielder to almost a holding midfielder role before we signed Rodri. And, of course, we have to talk about him, Bruno Fernandes, in a great run of form.
1: Yeah, I think best player in the league for me at the moment. You could definitely make a case for Gundogan. He's on a great little run of form, you know, really stepping up in De Bruyne's absence, but I think the impact that Fernandes has had in the year since he signed for United has just been phenomenal and completely transformed the side, you know.
0: I don't think there's any debate about about that, where he has just come into this, this United side and completely changed their form of course last season they were struggling up until they signed him and you saw them dart straight up into the Champions League of course um, with Leicester slipping on the last day and I don't see them doing that this season however I think they're going to maintain form with especially with Justin and Vardy out or Vardy's return now I think Vardy returned for the Liverpool game but with Justin out and Vardy out for those nine games, still managing to rack up a few wins, I think it's just proven that they found some some sort of squad depth this season, which is what they lacked last season. For me, I think when they lost a couple of players towards the end of last season, that's when they had their dip in form.
1: It's and
0: they fun. seem to have found a level of squad depth that they seem to have found a le- Yeah, this is Leicester. Yeah, they seem to have found I- a good run of form especially with players out and they've found squad depth for me.
1: Yeah. You know, like Ricardo Pereira out for the first seven or eight weeks of the season and James Justin really stepped up another great pick for the fantasy football before he got injured. But I think, you know, even in the absence of Jamie Vardy and some of their, you know, most important squad players, you know, players like Harvey Barnes, Madison properly stepped up this season, you know, really showing their worth definitely good contenders for an England call up. I think. 100%.
0: One hundred percent. And to top the episode, to end the episode, I think we'll talk about the upcoming Euros in the summer. Um, of course, England looking as strong, as strong as ever, really, with players like Phil Foden, Jack Relish, um, and Jaden Sancho not having a half bad season across in the Bundesliga. Um, I think there is a very strong team, a stronger, strongest team ever for me. Or strongest team for a while anyway for that English that English side, and I do think we've got yeah. a good chance in the Euros. Of course, Stones and Maguire have been very good for their respect for their respected clubs this season, and of course Shaw in good form for Manchester United as well, and Kyle Walker and Wamba Saka having good seasons for their clubs as well, and I think Nick Pope has had has been in very good form, especially for struggling Burnley.
1: Yeah. Dean Henderson, when he's played for United, he's been excellent. Henderson has I been. I think Henderson has the been the resurgence of a, a certain Jesse Lingard at West Ham as well. You know, yeah, could so could be knocking been, on the door.
0: He has been looking strong for West Ham since he's moved on that. Since he's gone on that loan move in the January transfer window, and I think I think Gareth Southgate spoiled for choice really before when we've been yeah, struggling definitely. for positions and had to move players round. Of course, Declan Rice playing in that. More in that more central midfield role instead of the holding midfield role for England. Jordan Henderson, of course, as well, moving into a more midfield role he's uncomfortable with, because in the way Klopp plays Henderson normally, of course, this season he's been playing at centre back in the absence of Van Dijk and Joe Gomez, but the way he normally plays is more of a attacking midfielder sort of player. He's been he he tries to drive the ball up the field and find Salah and Mane in those positions behind the, in behind the defence. And I think the way he's been playing this season, he hasn't been looking as strong as he normally has. But of course, players like Deck Rice, who have stepped up, and of course, England with one of the strongest midfields in the world for me, I think we'll have a good chance at the Euros this season.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a testament to you know the squad depth that we have now as an England side that I genuinely can't see where I'd fit Jordan Henderson into that team. You know, we've got so much talented youth coming through. Bakayo Saka, you know, Mason Greenwood, Phil Foden, some really excellent young players. And that's not even talking about, you know, Marcus Rashford, Jaden Sancho, still really young players, but nailed on first team. You know, I think Southgate's got a real headache in terms of who he's going to take this summer, I think.
0: He has got some hard choices ahead of him, especially with Harry Kane in such good form in the Premier League as well. Um, I think we'll leave it there for now. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Um, we'll catch you. Your we'll release the new episode next week, where after game week twenty five, course finish the weekend ahead of game week twenty six, and have a look at the upcoming fixtures. We'll be talking about. Uh, more on VAR, some transfer rumours, and of course sides that need to sign different positions. Many new topics coming up next week. Thank you very much, Cam. And we'll see you next time.